to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Boeing, Sheila, the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis, Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo will for you coming at you with stats and things, flapping their wings. You can't live up to expectations, so just do your best. That's what I tell myself in most life endeavors. <laughs> just go with what you saw today. Change your opinion daily. Yeah, I'm all about that. For sure. You'll be wrong often, but then you can just point back to when you were right. No one will remember. No one's listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends. As we let the draft settle in, Bo Wolf here in my bunker, Sheila Kapadia, and Zach Berman there. And as the Eagles have added three wide receivers in this draft, who better for us to talk to, to unpack it all, than the guru of the fast vertical stem, the wide receivers coach at Princeton University, Coach Flynn. Coach, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. There's been a proper cooling off period since the draft, so I think my takes will be hot but somewhat reasonable. We can we can uh we can be a little bit less worried that you're going to catch the ire of Roger Goodell even worse uh, than I seem to. So, uh that's good. But but in terms of cooling off, do we need to address the the elephant in the room? What is the tension meter like with you and Zach right now? I I think it's 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 started trending in a good place for me. I I can't speak for Zach. <laughs> Um, I can after, say I've been in a, oh, I'm sorry, go on. <laughs> very deferential. He's going to be very deferential to you, Coach. It's only because I'm on. When I'm not on, it's not, not even close. You know, the, the, the last the last week of the regular season was, was you know, a big win for us, uh, which kind of set things how they should be mm, I know, on that's the pod. Right. And then, and then I've, I've extended a couple, you know, Twitter olive branches via likes and retweets. And then we've just, you know, again, by by no, I don't think Zach has done this uh, intentionally by any means, uh, but we're just very post, we're very simpatico, our takes on the draft. Again, I, I feel a little less, less tension. I think there was a lot of pushback early because I was like this mysterious third guy who really wasn't doing anything. Mm-hmm. And who's this guy? Uh, but I, I feel I feel a, a bridge being built. That's good to hear. I can say on my end, I, I, I've never said this on the pod, but I've been an admirer of, <laughs> of Brian Flynn's work since, since Fishduck when they hired Chip and I was, I was learning the offense. Uh, so, so going back to 2013, 2014. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, so no issue there. Well, lobbing, lobbing pot shot after pot shot after the fine <laughs> football university, football program at Princeton University is an odd way to show that reverence. I would. I would have the director of football ops in my ear, in my ear at Penn if I didn't uh, <laughs> if I didn't show some love. So I can just say I'm glad that Coach Flynn did have this cooling off period because you know normally normally I tell Bo uh, we try to save Bo from getting fired, but you know I feel like if we if Coach Flynn was part of our you know nightly post draft pods, I would have been worried about that. We probably would have had to. Uh, do some editing coach i think i think i figured it out during these live events whether it's a game or a draft 
that's when you're, I mean, I remember, you know, I was on the weird uh, sleep schedule. So it was more of like, a, you know, 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. or something like that. And I think it was Saturday <laughs> morning waking up to your text and I just started laughing. And I said to you, I said, you've just been crushing people nonstop for 72 hours. I think the only, I think there was, you know, like the people who were safe, uh, Daniel, Jeremiah, Lewis, Riddick, they were safe. I know we'll get to some of this. Uh, there were, there You're were CD lamb. He was definitely safe. These were people whose, whose work you admire. <laughs> Everybody. I, I, I just, uh, couldn't stop laughing. You kind of turn into like a fake WIP caller a little bit when the events are live. Is that, well, is that I a think- fair assessment? Yeah, I think it's and it's appropriate that you're the one bringing this up because my <laughs> my my two rock bottoms. One was at some point I remember texting to you. Yeah, just make sure you bring that same juice when I'm on the pod. That, that I remember te- and when I said that I'm like, what are you doing? And then and then at another point I was like taking shots at Daniel Jeremiah who crushed the whole draft the entire time, like knew every guy. There was no like shuffling up. He was he was unbelievable. I'm like, oh yeah, Daniel Jeremiah, good job identifying Haloti Nada. You know, like it was just I'm like Well listen, there's like there's like eighteen guys who have tried to take credit for Haloti Nada at this point. You know, the the thirteenth overall pick in the first round. Let's be let's be fair here. But I, I was just I, I'm like, oh there and it, I, 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 there's no way you guys could ever read all those texts, but like every seventeenth one is I know I'm unhinged. Please feel free to block or ignore anything that's sent to you for the rest of the draft. Well, what I like is that it's always it's it's a string of uh, like seven or eight consecutive one liners. That's the that's the the, the Coach Flynn uh, mo. But what it also makes me curious, like what are you like during during games that you're Dead coaching? Calm. Like yeah. what are you saying? What are you saying? No, into, I I have yeah, into I the have mic. always been. Like flatline, you know, I'm in the booth now, but even when I was on the field, mm. like I'm the complete, complete opposite of that. And it goes back to my co- college. So this is coach. like, this is, this is your outlet. It then. is. Yeah. yeah, it is. No doubt. I can act like an idiot <laughs> while I'm in these forums. <laughs> so let's get to the uh, good stuff. Let's get to the good stuff. I made the, um, the terrible mistake of uh, trying to invite you onto our, our live zoom call on Thursday night for the first round and accidentally sending it to the wrong chat. But uh, that was a big mistake because I feel like we would have gotten a lot of juice from you if you had, had come on because you love CeeDee Lamb and we were saying trade up, trade up. And now in the days since, I think Howie Roseman has at least tried to make it clear that uh, you know that they, they looked into that and it just wasn't happening. However, um, as that was unfolding, what was what was your take on uh, moving up for CD Lamb and how much better you think CD Lamb is versus the level of Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, I'll preface it by saying, who the hell knows? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't oh, that's know. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think, and it's like it's like we're talking about these sports. Oh, hey, the end. If we get the NBA to go to Walt Disney World and play games, <laughs> quarantined in Space Mountain, we can have basketball back in ten days. Like nobody knows anything. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if Jalen Rager is going to be great. He's an eagle now. I'm going to root for him. I want him to be great. He catches a touchdown, all but send you six texts in all caps about how great he is. Um, but to me, C.D. Lamb was just a difference-making guy. Like, I think Jerry Judy's in the same bucket. You know, I think Jerry Judy's deal is he just gets separation at will. Like, you watch him against man coverage, he's always open. He just – he understands leverage. He gets in and out of breaks. He has a plan. CD Lamb is is what the Eagles don't have. Like he's a guy, he's an ex receiver. You can put him into the boundary. 
you know, you make teams cover him one-on-one. He can play in the slot. He's good after the catch. He's big. He's athletic. He's, he's the complete opposite of everybody that they played with the last month of the season. And so my, again, the, the thread of reason that was buried underneath my rants was trade your second round pick and your third round pick to get this guy, you know, and whatever you got to do to move up to 10, 12 or whatever, you know, and I understood, I, I, to me, you can make an argument for rugs because everybody sees Tyreek Hill and that guy's a complete difference maker. You know, like he, he, he runs past everybody. He changes the way teams have to defend you. Okay. I think you can make an argument, Rager and Jefferson. Like not, you couldn't have made it to me on draft day because you're not you weren't talking to a reasonable person. But in <laughs> hindsight, you know it's I know that's right. It's you know one guy was injured last year, played with a back bad quarterback. Uh, I think Jefferson's better. Uh, he he timed faster on the watch on film. He doesn't look faster, but his production was through the roof against better teams. Uh, you know Jefferson's season last year was what Rager's season past two seasons were, but, but, but again, I think that argument could be made and I think it's close. I don't think it's close between Rager and CD lamb. You know, I think that's a guy that is, has a chance to be a guy. The the thing they haven't had since TO, you know, is, is a number one guy. And then it aggravated one stretch, but yeah. And I love, and I love all those guys. There's no bigger G war guy than me. You know that, you know, I was <laughs> that's true. That is true. Running around the house when he caught the game winning touchdown against the Redskins. But it just to me, it was so, it was so blatantly obvious that is this is what you lacked. Like, this is what your quarterback, what your offense needs. And uh, maybe they couldn't do it. I don't know. But I, I just I get the sense that they didn't try all that hard. And again, what for what that's worth. Yeah, it's interesting. The uh, you know Peter King had his column on Monday morning, and he was sort of, I guess, embedded via Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever. But basically, he was able to uh, keep an eye on the Bucks draft the entire time, and the Bucks were like furiously trying to trade up, and all these teams were like, "No, no, we're not doing it." And I think, as we've discussed here, generally, it is smarter to trade back than to uh, trade up and get more bites at the apple. And these teams were. Drafting, you know, like uh, at least the way I saw it, you know, number one sort of stud type pl- players that are no brainers, but uh, teams were very hesitant. And certainly, I think in one of his interviews, Howie Roseman did say it was going to be, you know, I forget, Zach, do you remember what his exact wording was on what it was going to take to move up? He mentioned, I, I believe, future picks, correct? Yeah, I mean, he was basically yes. saying it was going to take more than the second rounder. He called out that Jason Light thing from Peter King's article. Yes. Uh, called Jason Light a, a dear friend, which um, was interesting. But uh, he said there was one team that was willing to talk, but it, the price was astronomical. My sense is that was probably Atlanta. And, um, you know, they, they were asking for a lot. And as Sheila's pointed out, uh, Thomas Dimitrov has never traded down in the first round. So. So, Coach, sell us on what you've seen of Rager here uh, since the since the draft or whatever, give us the flowery uh, glass half full. This is going to work out well. This guy's going to be a good player. Here, here's what I like about him. Um, scouting report. Yeah, I think again, these are this is the always dependable YouTube evaluation. But you know, I think he's fast. I think he plays fast. I think he's faster than his watch time. You know, and four four isn't slow by any means. But I think when when the ball's in the air and the ball's in his hands, he goes. You know, he's short, but he's not small, which I've probably said a hundred times on here before. He's thick. He's put together. 
Uh, his his pro shuttle, I don't think, was great. But on tape, I think he changes direction better than than that time looks. Uh, I, again, I think any speed for this offense is good, and they completely lacked it. Now, I'm not, I wasn't as super fired up about some other guys, and you guys aren't in this in this category at all. But oh, they they're going to be a four by one team, and they added these 17 guys. Yeah. How, how many of these guys that they added in the later rounds are going to make the Come team? On. Yeah, driving you know, one, me nuts. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so this is at least a, a legitimate guy who can run that will be on the roster, which, again, any of that they can add, I, I think, is a necessity. Zach, I didn't know if you wanted to follow up on short but not small. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. That sounds like right up your alley. That's, yeah. that's your favorite. That's your, that's your go-to joke. That's that. your go-to <laughs> joke. I'd say short's a relative term. That is correct. That's right. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so what was it that you liked about Jefferson a little bit more? And, and if you were to go, uh, you know, not flowery on Rager, uh, what would you say? I, one of the things we've had a bunch of time to do is I've watched all of LSU's games last year. And, you know, the all 22s, not the YouTube or the TV version. Mm. And he's just, Flex. he's always, he's always open. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm doing with my free time. I know what you guys are doing. <laughs> well, Zach's and watching he, all those again, games live anyway. His, I've Ohio State Michigan on from you know, 2016 his, in front of me right now. So that's, that's why my attention yeah, is diverted. I'm DVRing it. Yes, I'm yes. DVRing it right now. Uh, you know, again, I think the, the production end of it isn't just empty production. It's huge plays, you know, in critical parts of the game. It's four touchdowns against the best defense in the Big 12 in the national semifinals. You know, it's a catch and run in the fourth quarter against Texas, who's supposed to be the best team in the same league that Rager played in. It's just consistent. You know, he, he he dropped eight balls out of, and he caught 111. Uh, he 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 made critical plays in critical parts of the game. You know, I, I just think he I, he to me is like a and a, what do I know? He's like, but he looks like a guy's going to be in the league for 10 years and be and, and make plays for you. Um, you know, Rager again, and we've all the poor TCU quarterback. I, I mean, has anybody, <laughs> anybody been drug around like this guy? He's a freshman for God's sakes. I mean, can we cut him some slack? You know, Rager caught 43 passes and dropped eight. Again, it's it's a, a really concerning rate there. Uh, you know, I think what they I think they do need some bigger guys who can run, but I also think that's overrated. You know, so I I, I think there's you can compel me either way. I just with Jefferson consistently doing against the best teams in the country, the best defensive backs in the country, and a lot of those balls were perfectly located by Joe Burrow. You know, so again, I think you can work either way with it, but I just. I think Jefferson is maybe a little more ready to go in the beginning, which is what the Eagles need. Well, Joe Bur- go ahead, go ahead. I was yeah, just no, I want to. I wanted joke. to. I wanted to. Oh, okay. Go ahead, make your joke. No, no, just Joe Burrow's no, no, uh, no jabroni oh. like the TCU quarterback. <laughs> that guy yeah. stinks. Oh, that poor guy. He's <laughs> a freshman. For God's sakes. Uh, the the note there about how how you've been uh, watching the LSU film is uh, particularly interesting to me, and the Joe Burrow note is interesting to me because I am uh, firmly in the camp of. Joe Burrow is going to come into the league and be fantastic uh, right away as a rookie. And, you know, I, I made a bold prediction that the Bengals would make the playoffs. That's probably too bold. But, uh, I, you know, I just think he's going to come in. They got T. Higgins. They have A.J. Green. They have Tyler Boyd. They have Joe Mixon. I think he's going to come in and be really, really good right away. I buy all the hype on him. Uh, and I, you know, when I was watching Jefferson, it was there, and even any LSU player, you're just watching these throws. A.J. Terrell, poor guy from 
from Clemson. It was all oh, he murder. was he was getting murder. crushed. I'm like, yeah. he can't do anything at some of these throws. But um, what is your uh, <laughs> kind of take on Burrow having, having watched all? Uh, do you agree with me or are you a little more skeptical? No, I do. I, I think the thing about him is when when things broke down, like he was still on the yes. move out of the pocket. His eyes were in the right place. You know, his feet were, he got his hips around. The ball's unbelievably accurate. He runs better than he gave him credit for. He took, a, he took some shots and was unfazed. Um, you know, I, 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 I like what the Bengals did in the first two rounds, even if they're not good and they're drafting early next year, there's a ton of receivers in next year's group that are really, really good players where I think there, I agree with your bull. And, you know, again, it pains me to agree with you, but I agree with that. When I read your article, I said, on draft day, I'm like, these guys are not going to suck. Yeah. You know, which again, for, which again, for them on offense is a jump. <laughs> yeah. And I think they can be, you know, depending on where they draft next year, I think they can add some more guys to help him out. You know, which again, you love why I love what the Broncos did. I love what the Ravens did. And I didn't really love what the Eagles did because you have a, the Bengals have a chance to help their quarterback out and, and put some guys around them. I, well, uh, Bo is I, I never famously. Really Go ahead. No, just let me get this jab yeah. in real quick, Zach. Bo was, was famously anti-Lamar Jackson, and now he's oh, taking please. the same stance yes. with Joe Burrow. Not, so just, I have not just, been anti-Joe Burrow. I just want to uh, get that on the record, I'm and uh, saying, so we have it to come back to next take year. Take out the popsicles just yet. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, the argument that I never understood against Justin Jefferson – and especially relative to Jalen Rager, is this argument that, well, he played with Joe Burrow as if when he gets to the NFL, he's going to be playing with the TCU quarterback. You know, he's he's going to be playing with Carson Wentz in the NFL. You would think that the throws that were on him at, at LSU are going to be on him at, at, in the NFL. Uh, you know, and, and, and then there's the argument that he that the, the corners were worried about Jamar Chase and the corners – we're worried about Terrence Marshall, and, and you go on down the list there. Derek Dillon, who else am I missing? Jerry Jenkins. Um, but uh, but the reality – No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> they won the national championship. It's 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 not like I'm making up the – yeah. All right, I'm not going to get into that. But, <laughs> but nonetheless, um, uh, the, uh, the reality is when he gets to the NFL, in theory, he'll have good teammates as well. Uh, so – you know, I think if anything, the production will translate. You can use that against a guy like Rager, where you say when he gets to the NFL and the quarterback's better and the teammates are better, then he his production will go up. But I don't think that should be a knock against Justin Jefferson. Well, what I feel uh, very good about is, well, I, I think, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. Jefferson has a chance to certainly be very good right away. What I feel good about is that if, uh, you know, I, I was uh, maybe infamously uh, saying that the Rager pick was, Rager was better. You know, I liked him better than Jefferson for the Eagles. If Jefferson plays really well next year and Bo tries to shove it in my face, I can just say, you know, well, your, your boy Kirk Cousins is just, you know, lighting it up and feeding him on a weekly basis. So I feel like I have a nice out there if uh if 2020 doesn't go as well as uh i would hope for Rager you know what Jefferson. i just i 
I just remember what what drew my ire at you, Sheil, and it was the the victory lap retweet of your yes. Rager mock prediction. That's what set me over the edge, just like this right now. That's what pushed me over the cliff. Well, I think it's fair to say that the like there there is a question as to whether Jefferson can play on the outside, right? Uh, and that if if you were like if from the Eagles' perspective, if what they knew they needed to get was a guy to stretch the field on the outside to open up things across the middle for Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. It's an easier fit for Jalen Rager than it is for Justin Jefferson. What's your feeling on on whether Jefferson can play on the outside? I mean, I think he can. Again, if you're saying we took this guy because he plays faster, I think that's the more compelling argument. I don't think it's great. I don't love it. I don't agree well, with as it. You made, you, as legitimate. you made the case, like uh, they have they have nobody who is guaranteed to be on the roster as a receiver in 2021, right? So just get the best guy. It doesn't matter where they fit, right? Yeah, and again, again, I'm not I'm not trying to mend more fences with Zach, but I think Zach said this a couple times mm. uh, when in, in his writing, which was fit. Who cares about fit? There is nobody to fit with. <laughs> Like Alshon, Alshon Jeffrey has a list, Frank. He's not coming back next year. That, that that's uh, that's a pipe dream. And God bless Deshaun Jackson still playing. But you think uh, people worried about Wentz's injuries? He's the guy that's you know really gonna, been struggling to finish a season. So take the best guy. Don't there's nobody to fit with. Take the best guy and take as many good guys as you can. You know, oh, we'll make sure he fits with JJ Ortega Whiteside. You know, what I mean that just <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. Speaking of fit. The Black Tux oh. believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear. A suit or tuxedo for their big Pro's day. Pro. Did you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? It turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. The TCU quarterback Just... was throwing them passes. <laughs> Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit and if online isn't your style the black tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look from there they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it one last time talk about commitment whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the black tux if you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons order your suit or tuxedo at the and enjoy 10 percent off with code birds that's theblacktux.com code birds for 10% off your purchase the black tux formal wear for the moment you have a follow up Bo oh no uh, well, are you are we moving on to the uh, other pick well sure well i think i think before we get to uh, that pick uh, who you know we did all this we did all this pre-draft talk about the you know those top 10 receivers uh, who else who else stood out to you what other opinions did you have on those guys good or bad coach yeah, I think I'm a little biased because there's a there's a lot of those offenses that I studied that I like Another the guys. Flex. Like we watched we watched a t- <laughs> humble brag. I watch a lot of tape. Um, <laughs> don't you guys respect that? Isn't that awesome? Oh yeah. Um, so I, I was a big late rounds Gabe Davis guy. My man. I made that oh, clear. So was Bo. Um, uh, I was a big. I, I loved Duvernay to the Ravens. Mm. I thought that was great. Uh, particularly where he got picked. 
Uh, I love. I was a big fan of, and I don't think he, he's. I think he'll play in the league for a long time. Is KJ Hill in the seventh round? Mm. I think that's whoever got him. I think he'll play a good amount of time. Uh, I like the. Again, I really liked Lamb. I really liked Judy for the reasons I talked about. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. You know, again, going back my YouTube watch, I, I, Quez has grown on me watching him. Now we're talking. You know, I think he can run. He's bigger than Todd Pinkston, uh, which is a low bar, <laughs> uh, but he can he can hit some home Tall runs. Tall and small. I, again, I, the thing that really bothered me are the teams that didn't take any receivers that needed them. Green Packers, yeah. You know the. Yeah. Yeah, the Packers. I mean, the, the New England Patriots don't don't take a quarterback or a receiver, really. Like, I mean, are you trying to prove something? The Green Bay thing is I mean, ridiculous. I, I believe, it's nonsensical to me. I don't. I don't think. I can't. You, you take a quarterback and then nothing. Again, I, I'm not sure the Birds did much better. I think they did some token stuff on the last day that may or may not help. Uh, but I mean, the, the, just the. I think that stuff was as glaring to me. And as And you like the John Hightower, uh, the the Philly in him riding the riding the bike by standing on it. That might be the best tweet of the day. That was awesome. That was a crazy video. If anybody hasn't awesome. uh, seen that, yeah, Coach Flynn sent this to us. I mean, I was feeling like anxiety watching it. You know, <laughs> as bad as my balance is, and as poor as my bike riding skills are, to watch him do what he did on a bike, uh, I feel better about that pick. No doubt. That was awesome. All right. Why don't we get to uh, Why don't we get to your thoughts on uh, on that second round pick? You know, we all know what happened. I would say it's I would say it's fair to say that uh, the text thread was was lively after that pick was announced. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know those are all. I've signed the waiver that those can all be sent We're out. We're not sending those out. I just like you to. Know, <laughs> yeah, I do. I have. I have a. I've built a career over a couple decades. I have young children still. You know, if we could just kind of temper those getting screenshot and posted, that would be well, at least listen, until, you know, my car is paid off. Maybe. As, as far as we're concerned, as long as the Eagles keep changing wide receivers coaches every single year, we're pushing in Coach Flynn every year. Let's go. So anything that's going to put that so in jeopardy, we're going to leave that out. Yeah. I mean, I, I, here's I want to preface it by saying, like, and I, I've done this in my meeting room. There's probably thousands of college coaches who have, like, used Jalen Hurts as an example of, like, how to be a teammate mm -hmm. and how to be resilient. And I've showed videos of his press conference and, and how he conducted himself when he got benched by Tua and how he handled himself at Oklahoma after they lost a playoff game. I love the guy. Like, I think he's like, again, I don't know him, but just how he carries himself, how he goes about his business, how he won the respect in two different, all that stuff is legitimate and true. I just, I'm not certain he's a second round valued pick. He has zero fit with the offense to me. The elude, the thing that drives me insane, the, the more I think about it, is, is as the national pundits have turned, and I don't know how that's happened, I don't, I, they, they come up with these arguments, no, no, see, here's what you're missing. He's with Doug Peterson, and what they're going to do is come up with this mythical package, and oh, he's going to drop this package on a league, and they're going to score 77 a game. To me, that's not happening. Like, I, and you guys, you won't talk about rants. When they were in the red zone in the playoffs last year, I'm, I was all capsing, put Greg Ward a quarterback. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it didn't happen. You know, it never, he never got a snap. So I just, like everything that, that's come out of it, which is, again, this nonsense about we're going to build a package and we're, we're assembling quarterbacks from parts in our factory and we're just going to roll out another Pro Bowler. I, it just it, it makes zero sense, and people have tried to explain their way around it, and 
the ones that really bother me are the ones that have no idea who the Eagles were playing with at the end of the year last year. And, oh, you know, a couple people said, oh, the Eagles have a pretty good roster. I mean, you know, top to bottom, I guess you could say that, but not in a receiver room. You know, so I just, I don't, it, it, and it opens up, now again, especially this time of year when we have nothing else to do and nowhere to go, the whole Carson Wentz is injured, Carson Wentz is this. It, it just, why are you would open up that whole can of worms? It, it just makes no sense. There's no level that it makes sense to me. And again, I don't think that's a knock against Jalen Hurts as much as it's why make that pick in that spot. Well, this is what I wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted to actually ask you about two things about this. But one is uh, you helped me break down the uh, the Ravens offense, uh, not helped me. You broke down the Ravens offense and I took notes <laughs> um, and I wrote down what you said uh, last year. For I'm a- available. I'm also available, Shield, for, for any more of that for the next eight to nine okay. weeks. Uh, for, for a piece uh, on the athletic. And, you know, I, I do think that when you look at the Eagles decision to go in this direction and draft Jalen Hurts. I mean, I personally believe 100% that part of it had to do with them watching the Ravens last year. And we know that the owner and uh, the organization, they want to be on the cutting edge and they want to try to take a look ahead at, hey, where's offense going and how can we make sure we're a part, uh, you know, of that discussion. And so, you know, I, I think if Lamar Jackson didn't have that season last year with the Ravens, that there's no way they make this pick with Jalen Hurts. In the second round, and so I think that's so silly. But do you disagree not the, not, with that? No, no, I don't disagree yeah. with that. I think it's so silly that they yeah. are if that if they, if they are thinking that way. I agree, but you know, my I guess my question to Coach Flynn is like. Definitely the Ravens were doing some, you know, really fun things offensively and teams might try to copy it. But I just feel like this notion that you can just grab a guy and you're going to be able to replicate that and copy. Like there's a reason why Lamar Jackson was who he is and, you know, Hurts has potential and all that. But, um, you know, how hard can you just kind of go into how hard it is to sort of replicate the type of success that we saw with the Ravens last year, even if you get a, you know, a dual threat guy? Yeah, if you look at like Greg Roman when he did it the first time, it was with Colin Kaepernick. Right. You know, like, and it's just a, it's a different kind of guy. It's a guy that can do it, can do both. Is good in the open field. Uh, you know, has has durability. And I just I don't think you you, you can Jalen Hurts is a, is a good runner, but a different kind of runner. I guess is you know like if you watch their game last year in the regular season against Baylor, he was un, especially in the second half was unbelievably physically tough. You know, it, but it's blunt force trauma for him. You know, like it's a gap runs, it's dropping his shoulder. It's like you know, it's a, like Cam much. Newton as a runner at the at the height yes, of his powers. Yes, exactly, right? exactly. And I, I just think it's a, you know, is he a shotgun pistol, you know, bluff option guy? I mean, he, I, I would I wouldn't say he couldn't do that stuff, but I don't think they're the same. You know, I, and I think again, that's a that's a if if you want to use the Ravens as your example. How about you do it as build your offense around your quarterback strengths and then put guys all around them that are really good? You know, like I think that's the 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 path that makes more sense to me than well, hey, let's pick another quarterback and ignore these these glaring holes otherwise elsewhere on the offense. I'm I'm curious what you think of of Hertz as a player because obviously the intangibles uh, are laudable and like you said, you've spoken to your players about it. Uh, but and his his record as a college quarterback is outstanding. Uh, but he was benched at halftime of the national championship because 
ostensibly because he he couldn't complete a pass. I, I think he had yep. what three completions then, um, and 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 that's you know they they wanted someone who could throw the ball. Uh, and then he he had a great year last year in an offense which and Shield pointed this out in his story in an offense which everyone has a good year in that offense. Uh, so as a quarterback, like take away the intangibles, and I know that that's that's part of it. But as a quarterback, do you think he's a second round caliber player? No, I don't. And I, you know, third or fourth round, you know, I think is probably more plausible. Again, one of my. I, I, one of the many times I've come unhinged since the draft was I was watching <laughs> the Oklahoma LSU game and texting these guys like, hey, right now, Jefferson just scored his third touchdown and Jalen Hurts is 2-8 for 52 yards in the second quarter. <laughs> you know, and it's just, again, I think he has a ways to go as a thrower that you can't guarantee that he's going to get there. Um, you know, his uh, you like all his makeup stuff and that all trends in the right direction, but that, that by no means means you're going to get it done. And again, I think there's a reason he wasn't talked about with Burrow and Tua and Herbert, you know, as that in that first tier of guys. Uh, so I don't, I just don't, I, I, I don't see it as a short term answer. I don't see it as a long term answer. I don't see it as a fit. And I, again, I could be right. Like I, again, all of this. What the hell do I know? You know, I've been. I'm, we're wrong about our own recruits that we bring in, but it just on a bunch of a bunch of levels didn't make sense to me. Well, it's it's like you know the the Lamar Jackson comparison. It's like you know people who who loved college football and and all they do is watch college football, like Zach. Like Lamar Jackson falls to thirty one, and people are screaming at their TVs, like, "Why isn't anybody drafting this guy?" And no one's no one's screaming in the second round, like, "Where is Jalen Hurts? Why isn't he off the board?" This is a guy who was always considered a <laughs> mid round pick, right? Like a third or fourth round pick. The Eagles the Eagles had to. Like had to be higher on him than anybody else to think that he can be this type of player. And, and it just I, 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 the the word hubris was used mm, by Zach, exactly. which is also one yeah. of my favorite words because because we're boys. <laughs> but that's what it is. Like it, it's it's like, hey, we know what we're doing. Don't worry about it. You know, hey, we're we're the Patriots. We're not taking a quarterback because we got Hoyer. As our backup, we don't need another guy. I mean, what? what? Like, hey, we're 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 just always through the draft trying to build quarterbacks, and our we're going to take seven quarterbacks, and then we're going to flip. You know, so one of the things I saw is, hey, here's what the Eagles are going to do. That they're they're playing three dimensional chess. They're going to get Hurts. He's going to have a great preseason. They're going to flip him for a two. Ridiculous. I mean, well, they they already just used the <laughs> two to take two. him. Right. I mean, it just. It, it just I, 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 there's a lot of stuff that they're really trying to to talk us into here, but I don't think it can be done. I am very interested in the uh, the locker room dynamics of this because sometimes I think us as uh, media members maybe we make too much of it, but then sometimes you hear players and coaches and you know they kind of indicate that no, this is an actual thing. And you know I just look at sort of Carson Wentz's journey here from, uh, you know, he gets him to 11 and two, uh, the number one seed. Then he watches as Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl. Then the next year he plays through a back injury. He watches and Nick Foles gets the team to the divisional round. There are uh, anonymous uh, leaks from the locker room. Then last year he's playing with, uh, you know, all due respect, Big Bob Davis and uh, Deontay Burnett and these guys. And, you know, I, I think on this podcast, our 
conversations have been pretty consistent that we thought going into the offseason they were just going to go all in it wide receiver and build you know around the quarterback get him some players and then you know they could be a legitimate contender in 2020 obviously that hasn't happened and so um you know, now you have a rookie coming in, a second round pick. You know, I'm sure he'll make some plays in practice. You know, he's like you said, the intangibles. I'm sure guys will gravitate towards him. Is that like if you if you're on the coaching staff, is that something you're saying, all right, this could be an issue? Is that something you say, all right, the media might make a lot about that, but it's not really gonna have any kind of impact? Just kind of what's your take on that aspect of it? Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been an FCS coach for a long time, so we're always looking at and not so much at Princeton, you know, it's different. But we're, uh, the other schools I was at, we're, you're always looking at transfers at every position. And the question you ask is, you know, does this guy make us significantly better? What's the fit on the team? What's the fit in the locker room? And and the previous places I, I was, it was always, if this guy is good enough, then it's worth it. You know, if this upgrades our roster significantly, is it worth, you know, any strife that you have in the locker room or, you know, if you're looking around the corner, uh, stuff that can happen. I just don't, I don't think it warrants it. You know, I don't think you're take. I, I do think you're, you're no matter what you say, the action in and of itself is not a vote of confidence in the quarterback or his durability or whatever else has been brought up as a knock against him. And it, it, I don't think the value of the player here is enough to warrant it. You know, and it, it just, again, it strikes me as really tone deaf to your team, especially after your quarterback has just won four games in a row with everybody hurt to get into the playoffs. You know, if, if they don't like how he played last year, I, I that doesn't make sense to me either. You know, in the beginning, he struggled, but he pulled himself out of the skid, which is extremely difficult to do, particularly when most of your team is hurt. And he riled him as like, hey, listen, this is our guy. The other thing is they pay these guys these huge Con, they pay Alshon Jeffrey. They pay him. It, it's it, it, and then uh, we're going to pay him, but then we're going to we're going to draft his replacement. You know, it's, it just it doesn't you it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. It's it's wild. But that's where I say too. If if you're if 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 you've paid Carson Wentz one hundred and twenty eight million dollars, okay, and and you've made that big trade for him, and you've built your franchise around him, okay, he should have. Uh, you know the 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 mental strength or or the the confidence, whatever, however you want to phrase it, not to be um, insecure about them drafting Jalen Hurts. Like the, to me, I, I agree with what Howie said. They've showed Carson what they think of him by their actions. Uh, you know, there if the notion that 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 Carson should be upset about this, if he should be upset, it's it's because they didn't do enough to build the team around him, not because his job is in jeopardy, in, in my personal opinion. Well, I think that's I, I think that that's true in a couple ways, but I, I think it's wrong in another way. Like it's it's true that he shouldn't be like personally affronted, but but like you said, he should be upset that they didn't take that opportunity to make the team better in a different yes. way. But it's also not about him being worried about his starting job. It's about the other guys in the locker room who he doesn't have control over, who have already like publicly doubted him in different situations. So um, it's 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 less about him worried being worried about losing his job and more about the team itself being worried about the dynamics in the locker room. And the other thing is like, I'm sorry, but like if Jalen Hurts is as good as the Eagles think he is, then it's more likely that they trade Carson Wentz than it is anything else. And I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be that good. 
But like that's the that's the best case scenario for them. Hmm. That's an interesting point. Imagine if Howie answered well, that when Gio asked him the question. Uh-huh. What's the best case scenario <laughs> with this pick? <laughs> Jalen Hurts is great. We trade like, Carson. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, well, be, that'd be great. Jalen Hurts is on a rookie contract. Yeah, yeah, we could exactly. really build around him. Think of what we could get for Wentz. Huh? That'd be awesome. Shield, thanks for the question. All right, I'll talk to you guys in an hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, Coach, you thought that uh, you thought that Roger did a great job. I, I just, I mean, they couldn't get somebody else, <laughs> anybody else. Like the whole, the, first of all, the guy, again, I, everything is politicized nowadays, right? Everything is. So I, this is not, but like the guy couldn't stand up for two rounds. Like he couldn't, he had to he'd a, he'd a, just melt in his chair after 30 some picks. Like you're making hey, 23 on, million. Come on, answer the bell. And then he, he put some weird t-shirt on at the end. That t-shirt was so weird. I, uh, just he and he's talking to these people that you're not on a Zoom call, really. It's just a picture. Yes. You know, like, <laughs> hey, Steelers fan, you know, play Renegade. <laughs> okay, the Steelers, stop. Just, it, and the other thing was, oh my God, all weekend, you know, and it's amazing how they pulled this off. Meanwhile, there are millions of Americans right now on Zoom every day pulling it off with no production help. You know, with no stat, like it, 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 it was nice. It went, it went better than I thought it would go. It was a great, but it, I mean, let's stop running around high five in the NFL for figuring out how to, you know, use their computers. You know, I mean, I just he's awful. he's I just no, he's horrendous. Really was amazing. And yeah, you, know, you know, I saw today he's he's not taking his salary. Oh, that's amazing. You've been making twenty million dollars for a decade. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I imagine I, I imagine your house is paid off, Roger. <laughs> His man, his man cave, which he kept referring to it as, as if as if he's some you know, you know blue collar guy building out his man cave. Anyway, this is where I love to watch the Bills play the Jets of <laughs> yeah. New York. This is where oh, I like stop. to watch my football. Okay. <laughs> it really was amazing how much credit uh, they were getting for. I mean, was, is it just me, or was, should this not be? Was this not that crazy of an undertaking? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't it's like a, it's aren't a, we kind of doing it right now? We're aren't doing we it. Doing yeah, it? it's like a fan. I mean, think about doing a fantasy draft remotely. All right, there, I know it's not exactly the same, but it's not uh, a crazy uh, amount uh, of different either. Well, and then like, uh, what was John Elway's quote? Was like, make sure you put this in there, Roger. You know, like quote me on this, Roger Goodell showed the leadership. Uh, it's Settle, settle oh down, God. John. Well, but the flip side of that is is the the uh, is is there was like criticism ahead of time. How could the NFL still hold That's their true. draft? And and to me, it, it was like you're really overrating what the draft is and how hard it is to draft players. Or, or I, I, I guess to do research on it because, you know, if you don't have pro days or is this really a time to have a draft? The, the draft is essentially a conference call, you know? You, and yeah, I, the GMs I, I, were yeah. really worried. And the thing that I've, I've, I've read about this that, uh, that I'm like, finally they realize it is that I've, I've read a few GMs say one of their takeaways is they can just submit their pick electronically now as opposed to having <laughs> someone on site where you call and they run up their card and i'm thinking like it took this for them to realize you could just you could just email your pick in or call your pick in you know you you, you don't need someone to literally hand a card someone that i don't know if, if you guys it's saw amazing. that but that stood out to me yeah 
Uh, Coach, there was one other uh, bird you wanted to flip, and that was on the uh, the organizational hubris, I believe you said, of people who are not wearing masks to the grocery store. Yeah, I, I got it. I mean, these guys in the stores right now, <laughs> like, what do you, what are you doing exactly? Like, and it's 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 like the again, I, I'm complaining about everything being politicized, but here I go. These knuckleheads protesting to open up the state. Mm. Just do what just do what you're told. <laughs> all we're being asked to do is stay inside and sit on your behind. It's we're not all about you. I've been it's tra- not about you, dude. I've, I've been training to do this for years. <laughs> Me too. You know I, mean? I know. I, that's right. Yeah. I mean, there is nobody built for this more than I am. <laughs> you know, oh, hey, you got to stay home. You got to watch DVR and stuff. I'm, Netflix, I'm all over it. Yes, sir. But you go in a store and oh, I know I don't have it. Okay, knucklehead. First of all, you don't. Second of all, who knows who else is there that's immunocompromised? It's just this. I don't know. It's this these swaggering guys who just put your mask on and shut up. And who and who have to like and, and by doing so have to like talk loudly about the fact that they don't believe that what you know that, that this is a necessary thing. They can't just no go about doubt. their lives. They have to draw attention to it. What are we doing? It's you know uh, this uh, this is you know this is made up. Uh, stop! Stop! Put your mask on so I can't hear you for crying out loud. <laughs> there right. it is. Well, Coach, uh, we we appreciate you uh, spreading the gospel and bringing bringing the truth for us. <laughs> Anytime, man. Again, let's all let's all stay home and let's be kind to this TCU quarterback. He's got plenty of time left. <laughs> let's He'll treat the uh, let's We're treat the TCU quarterback like we want uh, you and Zach to treat each other. <laughs> well said. <laughs> We're going to spend the whole second half of the pod just talking about how great the TCU quarterback is. We'll send yeah. it to him. He needs to pick me up. He does. I look forward to it. All right, man. Talk right, to you coach. soon. See you, Coach. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad Shield mentioned a, a pick-me-up for the TCU quarterback because top, for, because top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise, or meditation. But not everyone has the time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And and Hydrant is, is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can even save more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order... Go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code BIRDS at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code BIRDS for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code BIRDS. So, Zach, we have some news. The Eagles releasing Mark and Michelle and River Craycraft. What do you make of it? Yeah, so so these were uh, essential (laughs) transactions. Because the Eagles needed to open up two roster spots for the other players that they added. Uh, and the other players that they added were Corey Clement, that's that's the uh, major one, and Casey Tucker, 
who, uh, as Bo it's pointed out on Twitter... It's always good when Corey Clement, that's the major one, but go ahead. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Casey Tucker was with the team last year and in training camp and got into a fight with Sharif Miller. And Sharif Miller, surprising, uh, I it's not surprisingly, uh, won that fight. And Casey, they were Tucker fighting over the number out. seventy-six. They were both wearing seventy-six. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think I think you did the observations that day in practice. You I believe I did. Check those out on theathletic.com. Um, and uh, <laughs> those are going to be those and, are going to be tough to find. That I really <laughs> and, and Casey Tucker had a concussion, and the Eagles needed that roster spot, and so they waved him injured. Uh, but clearly, they they were not finished with him because they they uh, claimed him off waivers. Two Casey's on the Eagles roster right now. Correct, Casey, and and both spent time at Stanford, right? Because Casey Tucker was a transfer to Arizona State from Stanford. That is right. Um, Yeah. So, uh, but then the the bigger piece of news is that Corey Clement is back with the Eagles. Uh, Corey Clement, who uh, nice guy, Super Bowl hero for the Eagles. I don't know if he's the the savviest businessman in the world because he t- <laughs> he, t- he told his agent, "Don't tell me about anyone else. Just make a deal with the Eagles." Okay? And this was not like uh, a, this was not like a Namdi situation where it was like the agent, like, "Oh, get this." He didn't want any guaranteed money. This was like Corey Clement was like very vociferous, like, "Yeah, I like I think my agent was talking to other teams, but I told him I want to be back with Bird Gang. I'm all about that Bird Gang life." <laughs> yes. Like, okay, yes, um, and so I I say that in, in jest, but clearly. Corey Clement's time in Philadelphia was was not finished. Uh, he he's been banged up these past two years, underachieved these past two years relative to what he showed down the stretch as a rookie, and certainly during the playoffs and in the Super Bowl had the most receiving yards for the Eagles in the Super Bowl. I believe four catches, hundred yards, um, and and then that that touchdown, obviously. Uh, and the Eagles did not draft a running back. And I still think it's a position they can add in free agency. There's some good veterans out there, uh, Carlos Hyde, Devontae Freeman, a few others. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily know if they're finished yet, but that was a depth uh, that was a position on the on the depth chart that looked problematic after the draft. You had Miles Sanders, and then after that it was Boston Scott, Elijah Holyfield, and then Michael Warren and Adrian Killens, who you can read about in uh, in Bo's roundup or. or I shouldn't say roundup because it's, it's more than that. Detailed explanation of the undrafted. I think a roundup is probably fair. Uh, I have to say you, we, you had we a few had laugh the... out loud lines in there, by the way. No, laugh out loud. Laugh out like laugh out loud lines. Yes, they were very funny. Well, tell them what, what were they? This is interesting. I don't know. I didn't feel like. Well, they the were Iowa State, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Iowa State guy, best case okay. scenario, yeah. Julian Great. Uh, what's that's that's a low bar to laugh out loud, Jones. Yes, yes, it's good Jones, and you said the best case scenario is Julian Great Jones, um, and there is I'll quote on here. I have uh, it written down. Well, they there can was, read it. There was one other one. You think it's that funny? I do have save, to say, save the last one. Yeah, yeah save the last subscribe. one. Yes. Subscribe. Subscribe.com/slash birds with friends. Forty percent off, and you also get a ninety-day free trial. Um, I have to say, on the Zoom conference call for Corey Clement today, uh, there was there was a period of time. You know, it's it's always a very funny thing where like. The Eagles beat reporters are all on this, you know, if you pull up the mosaic and you have all their video backgrounds and everybody's waiting for the press conference to start. As this was going on, I like Zach had the biggest smile on his face. It was like he was having the time of his life. And I cannot wait to find out what it was about because it was like he was so happy to be back with his media brethren or whatever it was. But it's like, you know, there's some conversation going on because... 
Uh, one reporter looks like he's in his bed or something like that. But like as there's a conversation going on that Zach is not a part of, he looked like he was like a kid at a candy store. I, I, I have to know what it was <laughs> that you were so excited about. I was uh, in a text conversation with another reporter um, about the mosaic, about uh, about certain people in the, in the uh, mosaic. Mm. And we know it's not Bo. And because Bo did not have his video up. Yeah, like who needs to see me? What, why do I need to be – why do I yeah. need to have a video on? That doesn't uh, – I mean I'm making yeah. coffee. Who cares? But um, – so, yeah, but so I'm guessing. I, I can I guess? In... Because I actually – that was my guess because I was looking at people who were looking at their phones as you were texting. Was it okay. you texting with the person who looked like they were in their bed? No, it was oh, not. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. It was me texting with uh, – and I can say this. Someone else who would say that short is a relative term. Mm, okay. That's funny. That should give it away. So, well, to maybe maybe to media uh, <laughs> yes, insiders, yes, to I'm not so sure that'll give. Well, it away I, I put on uh, I put on pants and a collared uh, button down shirt today because I had a uh, I had a Zoom call and I thought uh, you know really the the invitation made it sound like it was going to be like a, a video thing and so you know I made sure I was all ready for it <laughs> but then. When it started, it was just like the person's like logo, face, whatever you call that, uh, um, and so it, it wasn't actual. Who is this with? Live video. Listen, you don't need to know about all my Zoom calls. Was it with Howie? No, it was not with Howie. Was it with Frank Reich? <laughs> no, it was not. They, Did you see Frank Reich? They seem like they've it been was giving you mem- shoutouts. It was with members of the. Uh, it was. I don't know. I got. I got an invite from the athletic that uh, Shield. Can we talk to you oh. on Thursday at this time? All right. That's all. Jeez, heavy wasn't hitter. Any, wasn't it? it wasn't I can't believe you put on but... pants for the first time in a month and a half. Well, I know that's right. Wait, Howie called out Shield's work. No. Uh, no, but there was some other thing he said the other day that seemed to me like a, an overt mention of Shield. I forget what it was. Oh, interesting. I don't know what that. I don't think so. I don't think that's in your head. But let's get to the good stuff. All right, let's get to the good stuff. Shield, what did you think about uh, Corey Clement coming back and me taking the rightful lead in the flu world order? Uh, did not like that. I need a <laughs> Nigel Bradham uh, resigning. Right? Isn't that what our buddy, uh, our listener uh, Dennis, is is sending the spreadsheets? Thank thanks to him for. Updating those, I believe, unless we get a Nigel Bradham coming back, then I'm probably in bad shape. Is that accurate? I think that is right, and I think even then, you mm-hmm. you might still be uh, on the outside looking at. Yeah. I'll it, be the judge. Of that. So, so Howie Roseman had a uh, a, a Zoom podcast, if you will, or, or however you would phrase it, with uh, Dave Sparrow from PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and he was asked about the linebacker situation, and he was saying that that. Uh, they they really are fast and athletic this year, which is important because with the way the game is now, you can have these these linebackers who teams just match up against and pick on. Um, so uh, if if you're reading between the lines, he was talking about linebackers who are no longer on the team, I imagine, as opposed to linebackers who are on the team. Is that a fair assessment? Well, I mean, I would fire back with that. Maybe like a decade ago, that was a take that would be. I mean, this didn't well, just and happen. And also, in 20- like you know, is uh-huh. is Nigel Bradham so much um, like more susceptible than Nate Gary or T.J. Edwards? Like, no. agree with you. I mean, also Nate there's, Gary, there's a they lot weren't even playing in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in passing situations, but you know, I did watch some uh, Davion Taylor and like 
this is like another level of, you know, guy who's not like a downhill thumper. I mean, he was lined up like outside the hashes for all these snaps I was watching. Well, that was Mel Tucker's like, defense, though. But yes, correct. So, so you know, if he's going, if he's like, uh, you know, there are snaps where he has to go up against like a tight end against the run and he was getting manhandled a little bit. So like, let alone a, a guard getting their hands on him on a run play. So I, I think it's, uh, you know, that's sort of an all in on a guy, a really, really, uh, you know, athletic linebacker. But like, I don't know. I, I wonder how many teams would have scouted him and said he even has the upside to be like a three down linebacker. Uh, you know, if if everything goes correctly in the NFL, I, I'm not. I, I'm sure there are teams that just would have viewed him as you can't play him in that role. Yeah, I think I think he's he's generally viewed as a sub package player. Um, and yeah. you know, maybe there is he's a player with with a very wide range of outcomes. I think, um, and he's a total project. Like, and it goes back to, you know, it's 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 not totally dissimilar from from Jalen Hurts. Like it's a little bit banking on we know better than everybody else and uh, taking a guy who you think you know better than everybody else more than like, uh, you know, the board fell this way. This was clearly the best guy available. Uh, and, and I mean, the, I like I like that thought process on swinging for upside. But in a draft where this team needed an infusion of talent, they got one player who can help right away in the first three rounds. Also, if, if this was the, the 2018 draft where where you say, you know what, uh, Jordan Hicks is, is back this year, but we're probably not going to resign him next year, so let's draft someone who we can develop for a year, who has traits that are hard to find, and you know we'll see where he is a year from now. But if you draft a linebacker in the third round, especially when you have the depth chart that the Eagles have at the position, it's not as if you can say, take your time, buddy. Like They, they, right. they need talent on the field right now, so that makes if, – if you're of the opinion that he's not ready to play right now, which is a perfectly valid opinion, then it, it, makes, uh, it, it makes their defense look even worse at the second level than it already is. They they've got to be getting ready to play more dime than any team in the NFL. Yeah, it seems that when way. You look right? at the roster. I mean, you have to. Yeah, they have to be, which is fine. I'm, I yeah. yeah, I think uh, generally teams should play more dime. I have no but. problem with that. Uh, and maybe even that that heavy dime as we talk about. Um, well, speaking. Go ahead. Well, well, the, well, this gets into the other guy that I watched was Kayvon Wallace. So we might mm-hmm. <laughs> before we get yeah, to the big hitters. Uh, I thought he fits best as like the Corey Graham role. That makes sense uh, to me. Like the the big nickel because, um, you know, he was playing uh, like in the games I watched, he was playing a ton of slot corner like he was matched up against Justin Jefferson a lot uh, in that Clemson LSU game. And, you know, they were they kind of went back and forth. There were times where I looked at it and thought, oh, man, he would have no shot against a, a slot receiver in the NFL. And then there were other times where I thought, wow, he's pretty sticky in man coverage here. So uh, I think he's an interesting player. I thought that was probably my favorite um, you know, sort of value pick that they made. And I thought he really could be good as like a tight end matchup, you know, like the, or even a running back matchup. I think that's one thing that gets lost, uh, with Malcolm Jenkins, which probably didn't get mentioned enough was like, if, if the other team had a good, uh, running back who you needed to match up with man coverage, I thought Jenkins could do that really well. And I thought, uh, Kayvon Wallace, had that uh, had that skill set also, but uh, you know, in terms of versatility, this is where the positionless thing comes in. Like, I didn't see him playing, um, you know, single high safety. I, I didn't have a single rep where he was. 
doing that. So you can say positionless, but if you're a single high team, uh, I don't think that he can be your free, you know, you're really going to limit the number of snaps he's playing free safety. And like the safeties are not uh, interchangeable, that kind of thing. I thought he was interesting in like um, sort of a robber role. Like if you have him in that intermediate part of the field and it's, uh, you know, third and four and you want someone to take away those crossing routes, I think he could be good at that. I thought he, uh, you know, looked like he could be someone who could be good as like a blitzer or a spy if you're facing a mobile quarterback. So there were a lot of interesting things. Um, interesting things about him, but that was kind of my thought about how's he going to fit as a rookie. Um, his best chance could be, you know, just in my opinion was uh, maybe as that sort of third safety in, uh, in those big nickel looks. So a, a, a quick, uh, a quick cave on Wallace note, Adam Kilgore from the Washington post um, was doing an Isaiah Simmons story. Friend of Zach. And yeah, I owe Adam my career uh, because oh. he took, he was covering Virginia, Virginia tech at the Washington Post, took a job uh, at the uh, at the Boston Globe covering the Red Sox about like four weeks before the Virginia season was kicking off against USC, and uh, they needed someone quickly who can take that job and move down to Charlottesville. And uh, I had my hand up, I had my hand up pretty high. So there you go. Uh, well, well, high is a relative term there, of yeah. course. So, <laughs> um, Zach, what's your? Uh, even, well, go ahead. Wait, tell, tell your Adam Kilgore uh, thing yeah, first. Yeah, so so yeah, so Adam Kilgore was doing a story on Isaiah Simmons and was speaking to Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator at Clemson, and asked him if if uh, if there was a player on their defense who was going to get drafted too late, and that's a, a pretty loaded defense. They had, I, I mean, just their 2018 defense had, I, uh, I think, four first round picks. I liked your um, and, I liked your uh, tweet about Kayvon Wallace's what was it his 2018 defense? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I yeah. think that's what he's going to say yeah. right now. No no, no. 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 That's not what I was going to say. No, so yeah, so uh, Brent Venables. Yeah. So Brent Venables said said the guy who's going to get drafted too late is Kayvon Wallace. Absolutely loved him. Uh, that you know, and if your defensive coordinator is saying that on a loaded defense like this is the guy, um, I think I think that speaks volumes. Uh, so. Just, just a, a little note there. When, what was your tweet? I, I said that uh, they had eight. Well, eight of the eleven players on that Clemson defense, I, I believe it was, were drafted, including uh, four in the first round. And the Eagles have have no, no. I'm sorry. I think five in the first round, and the Eagles had three first round defensive players. So right. there's that. So there were more first round players on Clemson's defense than there are on the Eagles' defense. Right, that's good. Uh, I wanted to know what your uh, what your take was on the uh, hiring of Steve Steve Forbes by Wake Forest. <laughs> uh, he's a good coach. Um, you know, glad I, we're getting to this. Yeah, everybody sure. wanted to know <laughs> okay. this. Well, yeah, Zach, that, Zach, Zach uh, was very bullish on both recent Wake Forest hires. He nailed on Dave Clawson and yeah. whiffed on Danny Manning. So you whiffed tell on, me, this this is the tiebreaker. Whiffed breaker. on Danny Manning. Yeah, so Steve Forbes has had a lot of success wherever he's been. East Tennessee State especially, but, uh, I mean, he was... He was Comes from money, of course, that. Steve Forbes. That's a different Steve Forbes. Oh. Um, but, um, uh, he, and he did a good job when he was an assistant coach at Tennessee. Uh, but he has, a, uh, I think, a background with their AD, which I was... Yeah, at Tennessee. I was curious to see. Yeah, and so, uh, I mean, there were some... Some some real good coaches out there. I I probably would have made a call to John Beeline, but uh, mm. I, I think Steve Forbes is a good hire. Right. I don't think our listeners are listening for, for my. Oh, uh, we've definitely got some <laughs> for my Steve Forbes breakdown. Okay. 
Uh, Shield, did you have something else, or should we get to uh, to Jalen Hurts? No, Jalen Hurts. Okay, well, you you wrote the uh, you wrote the definitive take on Jalen Hurts. Great piece, by the way. Really well, well done. I think oh, the uh, I think I think the the way to lead it off is how has your opinion uh, changed on the pick since we spoke on Saturday or Friday and Saturday night? And uh, beyond that, like, can we can we talk about how? Uh, Every national person is now trying to make it a hot take that this was a good pick, and they actually really love what the Eagles were doing. Like, what are we doing here? This is this nonsense. But anyway, answer the first question. Uh, that is definitely a hipster uh, take for sure. It, it seems like I was not on that side of it. So uh, I think that is a good question because I feel like I understand it more, and I still don't like it. And I so, think that's very well uh, said. I think that's sort of how I feel too. Okay, Zach, is, does that fit your description or no? Yeah, I mean, I I I understood like the philosophy behind it when they did it. I I disagreed with the use of resources, and then I have a a difference of opinion on the player. So a difference of opinion with the team. I'm I'm more in line with with what Brian Flynn said in terms of in terms of the player. So okay, so so I think two things sort of. I guess crystallized a little bit for me as I thought about this more and wrote this piece. And one of them was that it really seems like the Eagles, it's it's not just that they kind of liked him and liked his skill set. I think they really fell in love and convinced themselves that this would be could be akin to missing out on Russell Wilson. I mean, by the way, whose name Howie Roseman has mentioned in multiple interviews. I know he's and not how many interviews has he done now? Yeah, he has. He has. But you know done. what? I, I respect well, that. Though that's good. Yeah, I think yeah, that's I good. It. I mean, I think go it's good too. It. I think it's good too. Yeah. Um, but so, it, but it's it's not a really consistent messaging across all those interviews. But anyway, well, I think that uh, you know he mentioned that, and they didn't want to say that hurts is Russell Wilson. But the only way this moves move makes sense. Like you don't take the guy in the second round, as Zach had mentioned, you just paid your quarterback $128 million. You don't take a guy in the second round to be your backup. You don't take him because you think he's going to be Taysom Hill on steroids. You take him because you believe there's a scenario where if everything goes well, this guy is going to be an unbelievable, you know, top five or six quarterback in the league who can lead your franchise and be the face of your franchise. So I really think that's the starting point for this pick is that they looked at him and they, you know, they saw the uh, durability. They saw his running ability. What I mentioned earlier, I really think that they look at these sort of one-off scenarios and put too much uh, credibility into them. I think they look at the Lamar Jackson thing and think, hey, if the league is going that way, uh, this is somebody who's a, a sturdy, thick runner, who's an elite athlete, uh, who knows how to be a dual threat quarterback, whose accuracy was very good, who has great leadership skills, who has great intangibles. Uh, maybe we should go ahead and take a flyer on him. And so, uh, you know, that, that I think is where the conversation starts. And then, you know, as we talked about really after the pick is, you know, I know Howie Roseman said this is independent of how they feel about Carson Wentz. The truth is that can't be the case. And, and even if you think uh, as an organization that Carson Wentz is really good and has a chance to win um, an MVP if things go well, you know, you still would may look at your projections and say the most likely scenario is that he's maybe the eighth or ninth best quarterback in the NFL. Um and that it's not that he's one of the best 
three or four best quarterbacks in the NFL. And so if you're thinking that he's more likely to be around 8, 9, 10, 11 on a consistent basis, and then you look at uh, some of the injuries, and then you look at how much you, your, you know, what your evaluation said about Jalen Hurts, and then you sprinkle in the stuff about Hurts being able to be a backup and maybe being able to use him in different ways, I think that's where you sort of convince yourself that, hey, this is worth the uh, the 53rd pick overall. So that that's kind of my big picture take. And, you know, I would love to hear what you guys uh, think of that. But the last thing I'll say is just I did watch Hertz um, uh, a couple of games on film. And I actually, you know, I, I don't I might disagree with uh, Zach here. I don't know. And maybe even Coach Flynn a little bit. I kind of liked him more than I thought I was going to like him. I, I thought he was uh, very accurate as a passer and all the numbers really back that up to kind of an alarming degree where this isn't somebody who I thought missed a lot of throws. It was more that, you know, he's not somebody you're going to have in like a drop back passing game where he's going read one, two, three and going through the progressions, that type of thing. But maybe you feel like you can cater an offense to uh, the accuracy that he can have as a passer. And then also as a runner, um, there's a lot to like there. It is different as coach Flynn said, than a Lamar Jackson, like get him to the edge and let him take off type run. Um, he was different than that, but he certainly is slippery. Uh, he looked like he could take hits. He was thick. He could break tackles, all these different types of things. So, uh, you know, I, I did kind of like him a little bit more than I was expecting. I, I had previously watched him, you know, a lot on TV and there my, uh, my impression was not as favorable as it was when I sort of zeroed in and looked at what are the things that he does well here. I have a brief commentary on the Russell Wilson component of it here, okay. uh, which is that, uh, to me, it's it's like apples and oranges. The Russell Wilson situation, you had a 31 year old quarterback in Michael Vick at the time. Okay, so so it's 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 different in that sense. And I think where the Eagles were kicking themselves about getting too cute was it was a year when they had two second round picks. They had they took Michael Kendricks and they took Vinnie Curry. And I think if if they did it over again, they would have just taken Russell Wilson in that Vinnie Curry pick. Um, so like we said the other night, this is a year when the Eagles. Needed young talent, and they only had two picks in the in the in the in the in the top hundred. I, I think all of us wrote that they weren't in position for a luxury pick, which is the opposite of 2012 when when they were in position or last year for a luxury pick or or, or last year exactly. And it's and it, and again, it's it's not apples to apples, but it would, it would be, be it would be more comparable to to like the Green Bay Packers in 2012 taking a Russell Wilson in the, in the second round and. The difference, of course, is the Packers were coming off the Super Bowl that year. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, there were no questions about Aaron Rodgers, obviously. But just in terms of the age profile and I would say the organizational commitment, um, that is, that's why I think this is different than Russell Wilson. Yes, you think he could potentially become a, a Russell Wilson type player, let's say. But will he ever be that here in Philadelphia? In, in 2011, you were thinking the quarter, oh, I'm sorry, 2012, you were thinking that quarterback you were drafting, is in good position to take over for Michael Vick at some point. Um, if the Eagles are thinking that Jalen Hurts is in position to take over for Carson Wentz, then they have much bigger problems than their organizational value. So let's talk about the Wentz thing first. Um, and and let's frame it this way. And I'll, I'll ask you first, Zach. If, you know, we, you talk about the Eagles show how they feel about Carson Wentz, the way, you know, with the, the, the big money extension they paid him last year. Do you personally feel different 
after having watched Carson Wentz this season about Carson Wentz now, or at least before the draft, than you did when they when they signed him to the extension. Do you feel what? Do you feel better or worse about him after having watched him play in 2019? I feel better about him, uh, and and the reason I say that is because. He finished a healthy season for all intents and purposes. I, I don't consider a concussion in the playoff game as as being injury prone. Now, if he hurt his knee or some or hurt his back, um, th- that would be different. And I thought the the way he played down the stretch of the season was was high level production for the position. Um, I, you know, I, I I thought there was a stretch there, and I, I wrote this in the middle of the year when I did not think Carson was playing well. Uh, but I, I certainly didn't think it, it, it prompted re-evaluation of your franchise quarterback. Yeah, I, I agree. Just to be clear, what everything Zach said about the Russell Wilson comparison and Jalen Hurts, I 100% agree with. I'm My opinion of whether this was a good pick has not changed since Friday. I think it was a bad pick. I think uh, I just think that that's what they're – I think their thinking for this pick was that, all right, Let's say Carson Wentz gets back to his 2017 form and stays healthy over the next two years. Great. We have a, you know, we're, we're in great shape there. We're probably contending for a Super Bowl. He's contending for MVPs. But then I think they thought, well, what if he gets injured uh, and is not playing as well? And so then they thought, well, then Jalen Hurts comes in. There's a scenario they had to have discussed where Jalen Hurts comes in. He plays well, and all of a sudden you're looking ahead to 2022, and you're saying, what do we do at quarterback? Well, you can hold on to Jalen Hurts and trade Carson Wentz. And I disagree with Howie Roseman saying that we showed how we felt about this guy with the contract because that listen to how we listen to how we talked about Jalen Hurts. He he talked about the value and an asset. That's what Carson Wentz was like. You didn't have to be 100% sold on Carson Wentz to give him that contract. I mean, that was just sort of a smart organizational decision where, you know, rather than using the franchise tag on him, where you're going to be hit with all that money uh, in one year and then face uncertainty. That's the smart organizational decision, because even if he plays two years on that contract and at that point you decide you want to move on, well, you can move on at that time. So, I, the, you know, the money does not show to me that they were 100% sold on him and committed to him and think he's the franchise quarterback. I mean, I to be clear, I still think that they do uh, believe in him, but I you know, it, they're certainly looking at other scenarios too that when this optionality that presents itself with having Jalen Hurts on the roster as well as somebody who could emerge as what they feel like is a top-level quarterback, that became so appealing to them with the 53rd pick that they decided to go in that direction rather than improve their football team that has needs all over the board to make a Super Bowl run here in the next two years. Uh, I think you really have to read it that way. Um, in terms of Wentz, I mean, I feel pretty similarly. I don't know that I, I don't think I feel better about him uh, now than I did before he signed the contract. I think he's uh, he's a high ceiling player with like an MVP uh, type ceiling. But I, I think you also look at it and over the course of four years, he's produced that once out of four years. His career average yards per attempt is 6.9. And then I, it's totally fair. People are yelling at their uh, phones right now. Look at who he was throwing to. I agree. Right. I'm the one who said <laughs> they should have gotten better people to throw to. So, um, you know, you can be a really good quarterback with an MVP ceiling uh but also have the you know injury issues and injury question marks and you can also say well you know like if they had Patrick Mahomes for instance last year uh 
Uh, are they better than nine and seven? Yes, I you know I, I think so. I don't know how many games it's worth. Maybe it's worth two games. Maybe they're eleven and five. So there's that sort of tier player, and then there's kind of the next tier uh, of player, and he probably fits in with a bunch of people in that next category. Or I, I don't know, maybe you have two or three in that next category, and maybe Wentz is in the third. I, I think you could probably make either argument at this point. Yeah, I would say I feel probably uh, like a. Uh, just a, a scooch worse than I did when he first signed the contract a year ago. But that's, you know, that's because he turned the ball over a little bit too much and he hasn't really hit the full highs of that 2017 season now that we are two years removed from it. But I'm still like, I would still be very confident in him. And of course, as you say, like the fact that he had absolutely nobody around him is a good reason to, to still believe. But like what you're saying about Jalen Hurts is right. Like, if and I said this before, if Jalen Hurts is as good as the Eagles must think he can be in taking him fifty third overall, then he will be then he will be the franchise quarterback for them. He will replace Carson Wentz. It doesn't make sense otherwise. And I know that there is the uh, the valuation of the position and how important backup quarterback is, and you can point to uh, this being a, a twenty year thing for the Eagles, but. You don't use the second round pick if you don't think this guy can be that good. And I'm not so sure I agree with that evaluation. Obviously, um, you know, they've they've looked into it more than I have. But uh, I, I just don't think that, that you take him unless you think that that is a, uh, a possibility that is, uh, you know, worth worth taking a chance on. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, I, I know Zach was – mentioning that we should talk about sort of the success rate. And we did this a little bit, uh, you know, certainly after the draft, but I think it does lend itself to, a, you know, the overconfidence in your evaluation when you look at it. Like, uh, I mean, quarterbacks drafted in the second or third round over a 10 year span from 2008 to 2017. So these are guys who have been in the league at least 10 years. Uh, there's been 24 quarterbacks taken and seven of them turned into starters or quality backups. Now, the uh, high end of that is you hit on somebody like Russell Wilson. The other guys in that group, you know, who who you would be comfortable probably with uh, sort of what you got out of them, Derek Carr, Andy Dalton, Colin Kaepernick, Nick Foles, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett is, you know, you could probably convince me one way or the other to go there. I think he probably, you know, if, if you talk about him as an average starter or a high-end backup, I think that's probably fair. So you include him, but that's 29% of the quarterback. So that's sort of the rate that you should be going off of. And even if your evaluation and your analytics and your interviews and your film study and your scouting and everything said, well, we really just love Hertz. I mean, you bump that up a little, but like that doesn't get bumped up to like 50%, you know, like there's a, there's a less than 50% chance that Jalen Hurts ends up being a quality backup. I mean, that's just what sort of uh, the precedence has, has told us. And so that's why uh, I agree that it, it is a puzzling pick to take that type of risk here. And we discussed this after the podcast. I'm not suggesting that all these other teams uh, know quarterbacks and, and, and the Eagles don't uh, because the Russell Wilson example shows you the teams are wrong on this all the time. Uh, but the Indianapolis Colts, who have, what, a 38-year-old quarterback? I, I don't have Philip Rivers' age offhand. They had two second-round picks, uh, and they didn't take them. The New England Patriots... Uh, they did not take him. Um, the Pittsburgh That's Steelers. A great point. The, yeah. the, the Pittsburgh Steelers picked 
pick Chase Claypool. Uh, they did not take him. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they did not take him. I, I mean, I can be Atlanta Falcons. I, I, I can go on down this Great list. Great point. Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, all these teams looked at, at, at Jalen Hurts in the second round and said he's not worth our second round pick right here. Uh, and, and so that sticks out to me. And then, and then the other thing too, and again, like I, I don't want to rip on the player because he's, he's made, he, he had a lot of production. He was, he was, he was second last year in the Heisman race for a reason. I mean, I mean, he was, he had moments that were outstanding at Oklahoma. That being said, like when you watched that game against LSU, uh, was it, it was the semifinals game and Burrow had seven touchdowns that day. Um, and, I, I didn't think Jalen Hurts. Well, I, I thought there was a major gap between Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow. Um, and I, I don't want to talk about Jalen Hurts as a true freshman because you can clearly get get better over time. But if you think about that national championship game against Clemson, when when uh, Deshaun Watson had 400 yards and Jalen Hurts um, was not throwing that ball that well, he had a terrific run. With two minutes to go to, to to give them the lead, a touchdown run. So he has that dual threat ability, and 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 then you think about the fact that Alabama benched him in the national championship because they wanted to throw the ball. I just think there's there's a lot of development required as a passer that would make me concerned to say like this guy can be a franchise or, or this guy will be. I, I really like the line that that um, that Shield had, which is they're gambling on the value as opposed to the chance. Is is that what you said there? Yeah, kind of yeah, like they're that. they're gambling on the on yeah, exactly. What it would mean if he does hit his upside, yep. that's what they're gambling on, not the chance that he exactly. does uh reach his upside because the chance of that is low and though those are great points. I mean, all those teams that passed on him, Bill Belichick, we know, uh is very close with Nick Saban, so he would have got as much intel as anybody uh on sort of the type of guy Which Zach knows that very well. Is. Intimately, you might say. Well. I mean, man, when you said Steelers, Zach, that would have been a great pick. That would have been a smart pick for them if they liked him. You know, that would have been a think about them. They're in a position uh, where their quarterback is so old. They've got a, a pretty good roster. They expect to be they, they know how much you can get, um, you know, screwed if your backup quarterback situation is terrible. That would have been a really interesting pick for them. But they didn't do it because they're, you know, their scouting told them that uh, he was certainly not going to be no, worth that no pick. Chase Claypool. And, and, yeah, and the other, what are you pouring there? That's a little uh, LaCroix, lemon LaCroix. Oh. How about Carolina? They, they, they played against him, by the way. You know, I mean, yeah. Matt Rule coached against him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they had the 38th pick, and then they took Gross Matos. Um, you know, they have Teddy Bridgewater. I, I realize that. and, and but well, they, they only uh, took defense. Yeah, I, I mean, but I'm sure if, if they were in love with Jalen Hurts, they would have taken Jalen Hurts. So that would have been a great time to, to do what the Eagles are saying they're doing. You know, you take yeah. swings on a couple guys. Yep. All right, who works out? Who doesn't? You flip the other guy, and uh, you're you're in good shape. But we thought the Eagles were in a different position. And just what you were saying about Hurts in those big games, yeah, I think those the two things that stood out to me as things he will have to overcome. I mean, one is just sort of seeing the field and getting rid of the ball and not taking uh, sacks, and then the other is just sort of that uh, feel for pressure, you know, like the the thing that is Joe Burrow's greatest trait. I didn't think Hertz showed that, you know, when there was pressure, he's sort of running around or when there wasn't pressure, he thought he kind of felt it and got himself in some bad situations. So, I mean, those are significant things to uh, certainly have to overcome. The other thing that I think it's hard to ignore is the 
the Clips and Thapson pick from last year. And yes, um, like if that pick had hit, they would not have drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round, right? And Howie Roseman mentioned in one of these many interviews that uh, the success rate of quarterbacks drafted late in, in the draft is not very high, which we have talked about. And so the, the uh, you know, where on the pendulum does this pick fall between we really needed to find and wanted to identify a young backup quarterback versus we just fell for the player? And uh, I think that's like that would be an interesting truth serum question to get the answer to. But uh, it like, you know, they would not have drafted Jalen Hurts if if uh, Thorpin had not hit. And I thought that Howie Roseman did frame this well in one of those interviews, which is, um, you know, like, would you rather have had a quarterback in the second and Kayvon Wallace? Like, would you basically would you rather have Jalen Hurts and Kayvon Wallace or Jeremy Chin and Jake Fromm? If you were if if you were committed to taking a quarterback, and that made it sound like they were committed to adding a young quarterback in this draft. Okay, yeah, I I, I hear you there. No, I, I I think that there were other options except Jeremy Chin. Although as it's come out, that's a guy that they were sure seriously considering I, just, it. Yeah, but, but yeah, there, no, no, yeah. I I I I I hear you there. Um, I I don't think that and. And you brought this up with the, with the Thorson thing. I think so much of what they did over the last week and throughout the off season is just a correction to last year. You know, like they yes, yes. That, you know, that's so, a you got to yeah, that's a great piece to write. Yeah, like I they know we mentioned it. Yeah, but. so they they took Thorson late. They didn't like it. All right, so this clearly doesn't work. We're going to take a guy earlier on. They took they did they, they went took a with receiver the college who production. Wasn't, yeah, who wasn't fast. Exactly. Who wasn't dynamic. Yep. Yep, everything was is a, is about speed, is about health, like everything is is just correcting what what they missed on last year. I felt like does he I does he love to play vi- the game? <laughs> yep, yep, good point. Uh, yeah, I think they're a very reactive organization. I don't. I think, think they always have been. I mean, yes. I mean, what they do year to year is not consistent at all. I mean, last year the biggest need was for speed. On the offensive side of the ball, and they thought that Arthega Whiteside was fast enough. There were certainly right. other faster options that they could have taken, and they did not do that. And then this year, they're just drafting the guys with the fastest 40 times uh, left and right. And, you know, one, one point that people uh, made on my story with the second round pick thing, because I was pointing out how Jalen, you know, the, the chances of a second round pick or a third round pick being a good quarterback. And they said, well, it's low for other positions too. Yes, but think of what you could have used the second round pick for at various times in the offseason. So it's not necessarily Jalen Hurts or Jeremy Chin. I mean, it could be Jalen Hurts and one of these wide receivers you could have traded for. It could be uh, Jalen Hurts and, you know, a, a trade-up. I know we said that probably was going to be tough to do, but, I mean, there that was an asset that they held on to and they found to be very valuable. And so it's not just like a, a player to player thing and then you right know, it could be it could be you... deandre hopkins you trade right. down from 21 and get either a different receiver or a corner or a safety there like it could be you know xavier mckinney yes. or something like there are all these different uh paths that it could have taken someone asked for a shadow uh offseason bow mm. if you if you're looking for an idea they liked your shadow draft. well it's a little bit it's different because I, I i do think it's important to do it in real time at least for the draft but that's, but that's there, there are yeah. th- certainly many paths that it could have taken 
Although, also to be fair, we we're on we have been right. you know, and we haven't all agreed on all of this, but you know, we all of us individually have been on record with every one of these things as they've happened. So, um, you know, you certainly could allude now, to I that. Now, I do but think I it's thought- fair quickly to say on the on the shadow draft thing. I, I meant to say I do think that like there was not a uh, a home run pick at fifty three who was sitting there Agreed. who they needed to take. Um, so I think that that is part of the conversation, but. I still, I mean, certainly, I think that I would have preferred they go in different directions. But I do not think that there was like a guy who I would have pounded the table for uh, specifically at that pick. And by I, the way, I, I think that, that yeah. was what was going on in their draft room too. Like, I, I don't think they woke up Friday morning saying we're taking Jalen Hurts tonight. I think that they had a list of players, and if if those players weren't there, then they were going to take Jalen Hurts. Do you agree with that? Well, yeah. Well, yes, but I mean, the fact, you know, I don't think maybe they might not have thought they were going to, but they had certainly considered it when right. they had called Absolutely. Carson Wentz. Yes. I don't yes. know when that call took place, but this was a possibility. The other two things I wanted to touch on that you guys mentioned, one is the Clayton Thorson thing. Uh, you know, if we're if we're saying they're trying, they're kind of outsmarting the league with their valuation of Jalen Hurts and they're a quarterback factory. I mean, that was a terrible pick the time yes. after the second it happened. It had no chance of um, turning into anything. So that did, should not make you feel that confident that this was a guy a year ago. I know it was, you know, what, a fifth-round pick, and they're taking a flyer. But uh, but still, it was the same people, for the most part, yes. evaluating him. And then the other part that really... Uh, I don't that really irks me about this is they continue to point to, you know, hey, no organization knows better than us uh, the value of a backup. Look, Nick Foles in 2017. And this goes to what, Bo, you were saying about the national media eating this up because I've heard this point reiterated. That should not really be your lesson from that season. I mean. (laughs) That that's not going to happen again in our lifetime, most likely. Like I'm not calling it fluky. I mean, it was a great coaching job. Foles was amazing. All the pieces fell, but there's a reason why. Like that was so unique. I mean, that's not the norm. Like normally, that is the new norm. The new normal. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember. I think I was having a conversation with Les Bowen, you know, and and everyone will point to the Rams post game pod where Bo and I just, you know, said the season's over, and I was having a similar conversation with Les Bowen, just like walking to a press conference, and you know, I was like, oh yeah, you know, it's over for him, and he's like, oh yeah, I've been around too many of these starting quarterbacks get get injured, and the season goes down the tube type situations, but like he wasn't wrong. That is what normally happens. Like that was a you know, one in a hundred, one in 50, whatever you want to make it. It doesn't mean you shouldn't invest in your backup quarterback. But if you're painting the scenario where like, hey, you know, maybe Wentz will go down in week 13 next year and Hertz will come in and lead them to the Super Bowl. Like, no, that I mean, the odds against that are very, 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 very low. And so that should not be your uh, your primary driving factor. And by the way, the to use that example, the Eagles signed a quarterback who had won in the NFL, who had functioned within that scheme before, who they had a background with, uh, and in in that moment they could rely at least on those factors. The no, there was there was a quarterback taken that year, number fifty two overall. Okay, so right around the time that uh, that Jalen Hurts was taken, he was um, he was the fourth quarterback taken that year. And Jalen Hurts was the fifth was was the fifth quarterback taken, but so it's it's fairly comparable. The quarterback I'm talking about is Deshaun Kaiser. Okay, would the Eagles have won the Super Bowl that year 
if Deshaun Kaiser was the backup so quarterback. Good, yeah. um, so so my my point being, and not a dissimilar the, like profile, like exactly, yeah. yeah. So so my my point being that the uh, the the lesson, if if you will, with Nick Foles was not that the backup quarterback is important. We always knew the backup quarterback was important. It's that the right backup quarterback is important, and and that's why. They ate the money on Chase Daniel, and they invested the money in Nick Foles because they viewed that as a, as a major upgrade, and they were correct. Um, and there were options this year if the Eagles wanted to, if the Eagles wanted to do that. I know both you guys uh, mentioned Case Keenum, and, and and certainly he's a guy who has won in in the in the league before. Um, there are quarterback. I mean, Jameis Winston signed with the Saints today or, or yesterday. Right, like uh, if you value the backup yeah. quarterback. Go ahead, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, there are guys. Well, no, out yeah, there. yeah, that's yeah. That's, Winston, that's my point. Winston signed for one point one million dollars. Right. So, so spare you me give him the three the, million. Like uh, you know, now I uh, listen. I am not a Winston. Now, me, yeah, and also, <laughs> and also probably Deshaun uh, Jackson is probably like uh, no, 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 <laughs> right, right. But you know, just the the point there that I mean, the point Zach made is a great one. I mean, in the this is a re- there's a reason why teams don't spend high draft picks on backup quarterbacks it's because it's not a known commodity and why do you, why are you taking a flyer uh, a 30 percent flyer on a guy to be a backup quarterback rather than sign a guy who's relatively inexpensive who you really know what you're getting from them even if the upside isn't as high I mean we'll see what Andy Dalton gets here Kim Newton is out there on the open market like again there were there were a lot of options this offseason if you felt like you needed to be aggressive uh, at the backup quarterback situation where you could have done that and it would not have been uh, an expensive proposition. So, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with what Zach said there. And it reiterates the point that Hertz was not taken to be, um, you know, solely. It was a factor that he can be your backup quarterback, but that's not why you take him at the 53rd pick. You take him because of what you think the ceiling could be uh, at some point if Carson Wentz doesn't work and, out. And the last thing, I think, is it fair to say that we all agree that the idea that the Eagles have cooked up you know, some Bobo Taysom Hill package is uh, vastly overstated. I mean, it's going to be real annoying between now and when the season starts to be uh, quite honest. I'm not saying they're not going to use him in other ways. I'm sure they will experiment and try that. But the idea that it's, uh, you know, it's like just so easy and he can come in and be this weapon. Like, no, I mean, the Ravens committed in an offseason to build around everything they do around Lamar Jackson's skill set. Like, that's what it took. It wasn't just, hey, let's throw this guy in there for six snaps a game. I continue to believe that we under rate how annoyed Carson Wentz would be if he was you know relegated to this role where he's splitting it splitting out wide or going to the sideline and uh, yeah I mean it's just not what they do they do not use the quarterback uh in the run game consistently and and the especially the runs that we're talking about with a guy like Jalen Hurt so yeah may you know if anything it could screw it up even more you know to be quite honest I for the argument that you would use him in like short yardage and stuff I mean was Carson Wentz not like the second best Mm -hmm. quarterback sneaker of any quarterback in the NFL since he's entered the league that hasn't really and then you can use him in the red zone I mean Carson Wentz has been arguably the best red zone zone, right 
Yeah, I mean, we can dig up the numbers, but their red zone is one thing that's been consistent, and I believe that's directly connected to quarterback play. I mean, we look at all this schematic stuff and weapons. Red zone, to me, is just like, all right, do you have a quarterback who can make quick decisions, who's willing to turn it loose, throw it into tight windows? Then you're probably going to have a good red zone offense, and those are, you know, Carson Wentz has shown that he can do that. So, yeah, I don't see some uh, innovative and package. And purely, purely from a time management standpoint, like – what's going to happen this year is whenever whenever the curtain is lifted and these guys can go back to the facilities it is going to be an all out sprint from that point you know to training camp to the regular season to get these guys up to date do you care about developing Jalen Kurt Jalen Hurts as a quarterback over that time or or are you going to waste time taking away from that development to implement this this package that is maybe going to happen two or three snaps a game. Like I just, I just don't believe that that will be the case. And they're purportedly having all all these new wrinkles or, or changes to the offense as it is. So, so like Carson already needs reps in in this reimagined scheme. Um, yeah, that uh, that part of it doesn't add up to me. There really is. I mean, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, but man, there are a lot of between the 400 new offensive coaches between the, the, you know, you're trying to come up with packages for the second round pick you made so that it looks like you didn't uh, waste this pick between Carson Wentz's mindset going into this thing between Deshaun Jackson's age, uh, age here. I mean, there are, uh, I, it will be a fun, se- ho- you know, hopefully things get better and there is a season to cover. It, it really has the makings of a very fascinating season from a reporter perspective. I don't know if it's the same can be said from a fan perspective, but, uh, they're not going to be boring. Uh, did you want to take me to task on Bobo Shield? What was your what was your take on that? I no, I wasn't going to take you to task. I mean, so what happened is Bo uh, had to participate in sort of this um, what is it, an NFC East roundtable? Uh, it's is a that full right? league, full league wide like uh, off season okay. off season review. You know, one of those things review. where they talk to one one beat reporter per per team. I I really enjoy those and find those useful. By the so way, I, yeah. I'm sure I, you know. I don't know if uh, I'm sure it's not like the thing you enjoy most about the job doing, but from a consumer, I find them very uh, useful. But anyway, Bo in you know, and so this isn't Bo's normal editor, uh, Pistol Pete, working on this. It's sort of uh, somebody you know putting this all together. And Bo, with no explanation <laughs> or anything, just just throws in terms like Bobo and Bog offense. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the editor, who is a friend of mine, you know, we worked together there in Seattle, Stephen Cohen, sends this real nice message to Very nice. Uh, Bo. You know, like, you know, you kind of mind explaining sort of what you're saying here with Bo, Bo and Bog. But it's just like, it's the same as when Bo just on these podcasts just <laughs> mentions things and assumes everyone's listened to every second of every podcast and knows what the hell he's talking about. And no one, including me a lot of the times, has any idea what he's talking about. This was similar. I, would, I just thought everyone might want to know that in his writing life, he's doing the same thing to poor, unsuspecting editors <laughs> who are dealing with copy from 32 uh, different writers and they're well, trying listen, to figure out if there's a typo with Bobo or Bog in this writer. We can't all be, we can't all be uh, national writers writing to a grand know, audience. Right. And uh, listen, yeah. you know, it's like dress for the job you want. I, I'm, I'm writing to the people who I want to read it. I don't like, I don't need to be, uh, I don't need to be 
like every single person understands what I'm talking about. I want the people who I want to read it to understand what I'm talking about. That's really I'm writing to like a very specific set of people, and that's really all that matters. The very so people what? who are reading this are, are people yeah. from other markets who yeah, want to right. know quickly what's going I'm, on. With the I like to you know, give me a, throw me a little Easter egg for the Eagles fan who's reading who's who's taking the time to read through this whole thing. So let's do some uh, rough math of one thirty second. So you know you're talking about what roughly the under three percent of the audience who is who is reading that we we might want to say uh, would actually understand what you were talking. That about. is the perfect. That is the perfect ratio for me. Give me like uh, one thirty second of the audience loves it, and the other thirty one of the thirty two just like what's going on here. That's like my sweet spot. That's great. I mean, That's when like you Jalen send Hertz that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talk about oh yeah, overconfidence. <laughs> well, I mean, when you send that in, like, are you expecting a note back from the editor, or are you thinking like? If you know what, they might just think I'm letting it rip here with oh, these yeah, terms. I'm definitely and, uh, not letting, not expecting a, uh, a response, which I, I appreciate because it means they're actually reading through uh, and doing his due diligence. So I, I respect the oversight from Stephen Cohen, but I, uh, I am not expecting to hear back from from anybody on those on Bog and Bobo. I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> oh my gosh. Bobo is also not an Eagles who... thing. It's a, that's like a rip. I, that was, I, you're, you were the one who introduced that term to me. I thought that that was an accepted term. We were yeah. an hour 45 minutes into this podcast. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. <laughs> See you guys. All right. Uh, well, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. For Zach and Sheil and Coach Flint, I'm Bo. We will talk to you next week. And as always, we love you.